Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. So now we are concluding the Raising Samuel series. And man, it's been a lot of messages. And uh, I've gotten so attached to this book, so blessed by reading uh, uh, the book over and over and over again. And as we go to the last message, you know, I was thinking about this right while I was preaching, how to the, the truth of today's message, it kind of has like a, like a double barrel surprise blessing. There's like a surprise blessing to what I'm going to be talking about today. And I would say that this was probably the most significant thing, if not uh, one of the most significant things that Samuel ever did um, in his uh, great prophetic ministry. But what I want to do is I just want to start reading the story and then lead us to it. First Samuel chapter 16. First Samuel chapter 16 begins as follows. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now stop right there for a minute. Uh, um, this, this is a very sober moment, a very important moment. Okay, when we read this text, because if you've been following along in the series, you know that God called Saul. And Saul had the, the hand of God and the spirit of God upon his life, but Saul didn't, he went the way of the world. Saul stopped worshiping. Saul stopped seeking. Saul, he, he let things, the pressures get to him. He lost his faith. And he missed out on the fulfillment of the call of God, which is never automatic. And here's why. It's because true blue Christianity, it's not a spectator religion. If you really want to understand and experience a powerful walk with God, just know you can't just stand by and watch. How many of you got to engage and participate? How many are ready to engage and participate with Jesus today? It makes, it makes, quote, religion so much better because Jesus takes religion and turns it into relationship. Religion is outside. Relationship is on the inside. Jesus wants to be on the inside of your heart, on the inside of your life. Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus doesn't want you to just visit him once a week. He wants to walk with you every single day. How many believe he wants to be with us? He is that friend that sticks closer than a brother. And some people, they give in to the worries and the cares of this life. When it's so rich and wonderful, it's so full and so free to serve the living God, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So here's what happens. He says, you got to go find another one. And let's keep going. He says, so he goes, he sends them to Jesse's house. 
And he says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the, everyone, two words, outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. Very important. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then said to Shammah, pass by. Then, no, I'm sorry. Then Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. I would have chosen Shammah because that is a very cool name, Shammah. <laughs> Just has a bite to it, I think. But then it says, Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? And then Jesse says, there is still the youngest. Jesse answered, hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> See, that's spiritual warfare right there. See, the devil, the angel pushed him back right there. So there is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He said, he is tending the sheep. Every time I read this, I always think, maybe this was the day that David wrote. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. On the day that he was kind of left out of this great occasion, I bet you God was meeting him in powerful ways. Amen. We'll talk about that in a little while. Samuel said, sent for him. We will not sit down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Until the, this is spiritual warfare. I'm going to change the sermon to spiritual warfare right now. So it says, <laughs> right there, even better. I love these gigantic letters. Come on. Whoever's moving fast back there, kudos to you. Come on, let's put our hands together for the tech team. He says, sent for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. We talked a few weeks ago about the fact that when you're called of God, there are powerful encounters with the Spirit of God. This is another example. And so when you read this passage of Scripture, we see this kind of um, amazing, blessed privilege that God gives to his children. You could imagine with me losing my mom, I've thought a lot about heaven, right? And so... So I, I was just thinking, if we, could, uh, if we could go up to heaven right now and interview Samuel, I bet you, and we asked Samuel, Samuel, what, tell me some of the highlights of your life in ministry. What do you think some of the most significant things um, 
are that the Lord allowed you to participate in, that the Lord allowed you to do. And I bet that uh, he would say, well, you know what one of my favorite things was? Is the Lord allowed me to go find David. I found him before he was the king. I found him when he was a young man. I found him uh, when his father didn't even think to bring him to the place. I found David. And David would not only go on to be the great king, but his throne would become the very throne of Christ because Jesus sits on the throne of David. And the title of my message today is The Called Find the Called. The called find the called. And there is such a blessing to experiencing God using you to find the call. There are these things that happen when you go find the call. You are so blessed and so amazed because God doesn't look the way other people look. And when you find that person, first of all, other people will say, him, yeah, him, that's the one, her, yeah, her. And when God begins to use them and, 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 and do powerful things through their lives, you could sit back and rejoice and say, man, I played a little part in that great miracle life there. Wouldn't you say it would be wonderful to serve lots and lots of people into greatness and to say, I played a little part in someone's amazing life. Anybody want to have that kind of life? Hallelujah. You got to find the called. The called, find the called. And not only are people surprised, but you're going to be surprised by how wonderful it is to find the called. I was in uh, Orlando this past week. And so uh, um, it's in Orlando twice, every two years, our church is an Assembly of God church. Every two years, there's a general council where pastors from all over the country gather together. It's the kind of uh, um, the big conference. And so you get to meet friends that you haven't seen in a while. And I was walking and a young guy walked up to me. He's like, Pastor Toledo, I'm like, oh, snap, this Cuban guy that I met in the Troy building. So this guy, when he first came to our church, he was um, a finance guy, maybe a stockbroker, and was doing great. And his mother was, was like always praying for him, telling me, please pray for my son. I'm trying to get him here. He's got a lot of issues well, he was a casual drug user, but he thought he could handle it. But how many know you can't handle it? And he went from being a casual drug user who was real successful to being an absolute addict. And then sooner or later, he lost everything. And, uh, but he gave his heart to the Lord at the church. We sent him off to Teen Challenge. Praise God for that ministry, Teen Challenge. Amen. And then, listen... He went through the program, came back, had another meeting with God. The Spirit of God met him and then felt called to the ministry. Well, today, after, I don't know, 10 years or so, I ran into him. Today, he's a youth pastor. Today, he's married. He has children. He's a man of God. His face looked probably just like David's, bright and shiny. And he's a great man of God. And I was so overjoyed to see him. 
the blessing of being able to throw my arms around that guy is indescribable. What a blessing. What a surprise. Special things happen when the called find the call. Now, when we started this series, one of the things that we emphasized was that every person who is a child of God is called. The called is not just for people who are in full-time ministry. The called is for all of God's children. And we made a, we, we kind of made a biblical argument. We started with 1 Peter 2. Look at what 1 Peter 2 says. It says, but you are a chosen people. Everyone read this right. A royal priesthood. If you're a child of God, you are part of the royal priesthood. If you are a Christian, you are part of the royal priesthood. You are called to be a priest. One of the main things that the priests did is that they would pray for the people. They would minister to God on behalf of the people. A priest is called to be a servant to the people, and we are all part of the royal priesthood. The next time you hear us say, hey, come out to the most important meeting of the week, the Tuesday night prayer meeting, come out because that's where you get to. One of the ways that you get to fulfill the call of God to be a royal priest, to pray and to intercede. The Bible says Jesus, the great high priest, he lives to intercede for his people. We are called to pray and to serve other people. That's part of the call of God upon our lives. And if you're a Christian, you're called. He said, but I'm just a baby Christian. That's okay. God answers the simplest prayers. Don't be intimidated. Step in to the call of God. You're a priest. But more than that, uh, or in addition to that, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, we are therefore everyone Christ's ambassadors. We're not just priests, we're also ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. Everybody know that us means me. Everybody say, that's me. Absolutely. We're an ambassador of Christ. We are called to make an appeal from God to the lost, to the called. It's supposed to flow through us. We're ambassadors for Christ. When you're an ambassador, listen, you're an agent of the kingdom of God with a very specific agenda. And that specific agenda is, read this with me, to find the cold. Now, I wanna, I wanna say a couple more things very quickly, but I really, can I challenge you? Come on, somebody say, go ahead and challenge me. All right, can I challenge you today? I really need to challenge you. I need to challenge you and first of all, remind you that what I'm talking about is the surprise blessing. Because when you actually experience this, you are blown away by how blessed you become. You are blown away by what it does for you and to you. It's an amazing thing. But also, I wanna challenge you to take your place in the kingdom. Don't let a pandemic stop you from finding the called. 
Don't let us struggle with, with your job, employment, or unemployed, or wherever you are. How many know we can find the called wherever we are, whatever place we find ourselves in? Let's rise to the challenge because let me tell you something. He will bless you. He will keep you. How many know our God is a faithful God, an awesome God, and he will, he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. If you take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. Get busy about finding the call and you will watch the amazing blessings that flow in to your life. So we're also ambassadors for Christ. And I wanna, I wanna, I wanna pray, but I, I need to say one more thing and then we'll just pray in two quick application points. Where are the called? Where are they? You know, when was the last time that you ran into the called? They're everywhere. The called are in offices. The called are in schools. The called are our coworkers, teachers, principals, administrators, bosses. The called are, are in Cook County Prison right now. Come on, let's go to Cook County and let's go get them. Let's go find the called. Somebody say amen. The called are in high school. We gotta go get them. The called are in the suburbs. The called are in the city. The called are everywhere. There, right now, there are super proud, self-sufficient businessmen that are called. And they're gonna find Jesus if we'll just reach out to them. There are broken, broken people that are the called. And so I wanna pray, Lord, give us the privilege and the joy of finding the called. Anybody wanna find the called? Come on, lift your hands with me. Father, thank you. Lord, we've prayed numerous times. But Lord, we want to pray again. And Lord, we want to receive this word deep into our hearts and deep into our lives. There is a, a blessing, Lord. There is a joy that comes when we reach out and find the called. When we become your hands extended. So today, Lord, we want to set aside what we need because you already know what we need. We wanna set aside what we're challenged by because you already know that and we wanna say we trust you to handle those things. And God, we're asking you to do a work of the Holy Spirit and Lord, transform us all into the kind of people that find the called. Help us to find them in Dunkin' Donuts and in Starbucks Lord, at the diner where we have breakfast at Panera, Lord, wherever it is, oh God, in Costco, in Office Depot, Lord, God, help us, commission us, anoint us to find the call. So bless this word, bless our time. Do whatever you have to do to grow us into those kinds of people, not just in this room, but online, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Okay, so very quickly, how do we become the kind of people who find and support the call? What does this passage of Scripture kind of teach us, really shouts at us, I believe? First of all, this passage teaches us that if we're going to find the call, we have to learn to see with God's eyes. We have to learn to see with God's eyes. Notice that even Samuel had to learn this. Because Samuel, when he first looked at one of the sons, he looked with human eyes. He looked with, with the, the, the natural human impulse to come to a conclusion that was not correct. It's very easy to come to conclusions about people that are not correct. It happens all the time. In fact, as we sat down as pastors and talked about the last year, one of the standout things of the last, let's say, 24 months is that lots of people came to, to uh, these conclusions about other people that were simply not correct. Friendships were broken because people jumped to conclusions about other people. It's so easy to, to look with human eyes instead of look with God's eyes. God, help us to look at people with your eyes. Would somebody agree? We need to see the way God sees. We need to not see the way the world sees them against us. This one over that one. There's a, there's a powerful discernment. When you grow in the Lord, listen to me, when you're really growing in the Lord, one of the ways that your discernment grows is you see more with God's eyes. Not with your human intelligence or your human experience, although those things are helpful, okay? But the kingdom of God will surprise you. God has chosen people that we would never choose ourselves. You know, one of the ways I know that is that if I was God, I wouldn't choose me, but here I am. <laughs> you see? And so, listen, let's, let's, let's talk about the word prejudice. You know what the word prejudice means? It means to prejudge. Prejudge. Prejudice means prejudge, okay? And many times we prejudge people. We prejudge situations. Prejudice is prejudging and leaning on your own understanding. And so as Christians, we have to rise above that. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't trust what you know so much. Don't trust what you think so much. How about thinking about what God thinks instead of what you think? How many have found that sometimes your preferences are not actually God's preferences? We need to choose what God prefers over what we prefer. That's a good time to say amen. I know you were thinking about it, but it's true. God's preferences are better than our preferences, no matter how we feel. And I also want to pause for a moment and just say this in general, like really speaking to our times, but I just want to say this in general. One of the key ways to lose your peace, one of the major ways that you can get filled with bitterness and anger, one of the key ways 
that you could find yourself down, depressed, and especially one of the key ways that you could end up being a, a very worried, fearful person is to choose to prejudge a matter. Don't prejudge. Don't prejudge people. Don't prejudge uh, any situation. Let the Lord speak to you. Imagine having the Holy Spirit inside of you to guide you and not taking advantage of it. That's what we often do. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory, but we prejudge. Sometimes, this is a discipline in the ministry that you have to have, but I wanna encourage you to develop this discipline. So someone comes and tells you something, they tell you a story, and when they tell you the story, you're like livid with a, a person or a group of people, right? And look what the Proverbs says. Proverbs 18, 17 says this. The one who states his first key seems right until the other comes and examines him. How many know there's two sides to every story? Two sides, okay? Not just one side. There's two sides to every story. And someone can tell you a story and you can comfort them and support them and do everything to the best of your ability to stand with them. However, don't prejudge. Because when you hear the other side, you're like, oh, snap. I have egg all over my face. Because I ran, did that ever happen to anybody here? Could I see your hands? Come on, tell the truth. And yeah, mm, All right, we know it's more than that. Okay. So look, this week I was talking to a dear friend, uh, some dear friends of Chrissy and our uh, pastor, uh, President Scott Hagen of North Central University, he told me this story over dinner, and it just blew me away. It's a classic example of what I'm talking about. So in the early 1900s, there was a doctor named Lillian Yeomans, okay? So Lillian Yeomans was a physician who turned into a drug addict. Now, the reason she turned into a drug addict is because at that time, morphine came upon the medical scene and she didn't know how to prescribe it, so she started to test it on herself. She didn't become a drug addict because she was looking for a high. She was trying to figure out what is the proper prescription, but unbeknownst to her, this was so addictive and so powerful that she literally became an addict and lost everything. She absolutely lost everything. I think was like borderline homeless. I mean, it's just awful. She lost everything. Well, at a certain point, a revivalist came through, uh, an evangelist in a tent meeting, and someone found her. Someone found Lillian Yeomans, and they took her to that tent meeting. And at that tent meeting, the power of God hit her, and after that day, she was absolutely set free, never did drugs again, was clear, no more shakes, no more anything. How many know Jesus meets people in power yesterday, today, and forever? He's still the kind of God who sets people free. And so she was completely set free. And all of a sudden, her life was transformed, and she actually started to preach. And at a certain point, her ministry began to grow, and she literally became a preacher, and she was in a church at, uh, in Minneapolis, and when she was in that church, she turns 
to uh, uh, the pastor and says, the Lord is calling you to start a training uh, uh, a school here in this building and many, many ministers and she just prophesied and NC, it was a different name, but NCU was born on that night where Lillian prophesied and then she helped to, to, to build the school. Now, fast forward from that school, many, many great leaders have graduated from that school, including our friend, uh, uh, President Hagen. I'm almost positive of that. But let me give you one. One was the general superintendent. He's retired now. Tom Trask was the general superintendent of the movement. We're part of the Assemblies of God for many, many years. He was the general superintendent when we started this church and he graduated from that school. And when we started this church, and our church was like no more than the first three rows here, right? We were meeting in the, just a mile from here, we were meeting in the basement of a building and the building was literally condemned and we didn't know it. And when we found out we had to, that we had to get out, we went looking for a, a space and we found the building. We had no money in the bank, and I mean no money in the bank, so we went, we found the building, and we, we said, we got to step out in faith and believe God. We got pictures of the building, and on a Sunday morning, uh, 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 you know, 20, almost 20 years ago, we put the picture in front of this small group, and they pledged. We said, hey, would you guys give a pledge towards this building? And when we gave the pledge, they, uh, they pledged like $27,000 and came through. This church was built on sacrificial giving. So then that night, I had, or it was scheduled for me to fly to Springfield, Missouri and share in an evening service at James River, uh, the pastor's John Lendl. Today, that church is like 17,000 people. At the time, it might have been six or 7,000 people or 8,000 people. Anyway, he, he said, what's going on? I said, I got these pictures of the building. He put the pictures of the building up that service, and I preached. At the end of the service, they took an offering for us. Okay, and by the way, we had a prayer meeting where someone prayed and said, Lord, we need, we need money, we need building, we need mortgage, we need a fast. Okay, so I know those simple prayers can really, really work powerful. So anyway, listen to this. So they take an offering for us and they give us a check. We, we left the building with a check for $41,000 that night. It was the largest offering on a Sunday in the history of the church up until that time. So now we have $27,000, we had $41,000, now we got a down payment. We don't know how we're going to make the other payments, but we had a down payment, right? And, uh, and while we're driving to the airport Monday morning, we get a phone call, because in that service, Tom Trask, the head of the Assemblies of God, was there. I just saw him. He's an Italian guy. He kisses everybody. He kissed me, right? And um, Tom Trask was in that meeting and on Monday, one of his assistants, he said, uh, call out Toledo and tell him, don't lose that building. We're going to help you with the mortgage. Because he was the head, the chairman of the board of the, of the uh, AG Financial, which is the lending arm they lend to churches. And so in those, those seven days, we had a seven-day miracle, but an NCU graduate was instrumental in getting us the mortgage that opened the doors and got us into that new building that then all of those meetings and years later lead us to this very moment all attached 
to this woman, Lillian Yeomans. Just for a moment, think about it this way. If you saw her when she was a doctor, you would look at her one way. Right? And then if you saw her when she was an addict, maybe on the street, you would look at her a different way. But see, this is why we need discernment. Because whether it be a doctor or an addict, how many know God sees them a different way? And we need to see with the eyes of God. Come on, let's praise God for God's eyes. For God's eyes for people, hallelujah. Deliver us from prejudging, Lord. Imagine the kind of week that we could have if we would just pray, Lord, help me to see with your eyes. That's what we're gonna pray. Lord, help me to see with your eyes. If they could send out a musician, help us to see with your eyes. Help us to see beyond our career. Help us to see beyond our challenge. Help us to see beyond our difficulty and recognize that he wants to use us to find someone who's called to be saved by Jesus Christ. And who knows the surprise, the surprising way, the incredible way that God is gonna use that person. That addict? Yes. Because where sin does abound, the grace of God even more abounds. Hallelujah. Don't miss out on the surprise blessing of God. There's a joy that comes when you engage in what I'm talking about that is amazing. So the first thing is, look, we have to learn to see with God's eyes. Then secondly, we have to grow, everybody say grow. We have to grow a heart that makes room for others. Even if you don't feel this way right now, I'm telling you, God can grow that kind of heart in you. Online, even if you're so overwhelmed with your life, that you're really battling even with what I'm saying. I'm telling you right now, God can grow a different heart in you. He can grow a heart that puts so much faith in you that God is gonna take care of your stuff that you're gonna get, get focused on finding the call. He's able to do it. We, there's, a, there's a way that the Holy Spirit can grow that heart and change us. Hallelujah. A heart that makes room. So think about it this way. Jesse doesn't make room for his own son. Samuel comes, imagine like this great guest coming to your house, right? If you had like this very, this like VIP coming to your house and, and like this is an experience of a lifetime and you say, ah, one of the sons, they don't have to be there. So, so, so he just gets left out. But how many know? God makes room even when our own family doesn't make room. Even when the people who should have made room didn't make room, be encouraged today because our God is the kind of God who will make room and say, we will not sit down to eat. We won't do one thing until somebody puts a spot for David at this table.
Aren't you thankful to God that Jesus made room for you? God, give us hearts that, that make room for other people. Give us hearts that, 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 that defend the, the weak. Give us hearts that help the helpless. Give us hearts that embrace the unlovely and the uncool. Everybody wants to be cool nowadays. You know what's cool? It's cool to love people who are not like you. It's cool to love people who, who don't exactly think like you. Somebody say amen, because that is the heart of God. There's a joy, there's a blessing, there's a freedom. There's a supernatural kingdom experience when we make room. Now I wanna close kind of by giving you a, a quick earthly example, but I wanna translate it to a spiritual one. So when I was in high school in New York, the Giants won the Super Bowl a couple times. Their head coach, his name was Bill Parcells. And Bill Parcells is legendary in the NFL because of all of the other coaches under him that he made room for. Everybody say, make room. He made room for all of these different coaches and this is his coaching tree. And by the way, we didn't have enough space. There are just many, many others, including the college ranks. He won two Super Bowls, but Bill Belichick won six Super Bowls. They did a, a one of those 30-30 documentaries on the both of them, and uh, Belichick testifies, these are all the things I learned from Parcells. He was so good, and, and there were moments when he let me lead, and, and he made room for me, and, uh, and, and, and you've got two and one plus six plus one plus two. All of these Super Bowls fall under this tree. Nick Saban, I know I'm getting a little too deep into football here. Nick Saban is the most prolific college coach, has won so many uh, national championships. He also comes from this same tree. Now, uh, now, think about it this way, okay? Your life could be one of two versions. Here it is, ready? So look, right here, two Super Bowls. Right here, 12 Super Bowls. Two Super Bowls, 12 Super Bowls. Can I give you some advice? Okay, don't just live for your own Super Bowls. Don't just live for your own blessing. Because the Bible says it's better to what? To give than to receive. Imagine now, stop for a second because this is earthly. Okay, this is temporal. Everybody say eternal. Now what about spiritually speaking? What if we could take his picture out and your picture in? Okay? What if, we, what if we took marriages here? We took his picture out, we put your picture in, right? And now you get to live a life that finds the cult. How many know this is the kind of tree you want? 
And how many know, sometimes you, you reach out to someone and you say, you know, what, what, what good could come of this? You know what they said about Jesus? They said, could anything good come from Nazareth? Absolutely something good can come from whatever neighborhood, whatever place, whatever background. How many know when God is in it, powerful things, powerful things are on the horizon. What about your spiritual tree? God wants to give us all a spiritual tree people that we found and led to the Lord and made room for them. So you will be amazed at how blessed your life becomes when you make room. One of the things I did think about when I saw this is like um, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Sunday church services. Um, imagine how rich this community is versus this community. You see, when we make room, when we open up our hearts and we say, Lord, and by the way, by the way, now I wanna close on this. What does the city of Chicago need? The city of Chicago needs people who open up their hearts and their arms and their homes to everyone. That's a, that's a good time to say amen again, okay? So what Chicago really needs is not people who give lectures, not people who just talk, talking smack, you know, preaching and pontificating. Instead of preaching and pontificating, invite someone to your house. Go help someone, give to someone, share. Go to Cook County, go someplace, go here, go there. And be like Jesus. If somebody, where would we be if somebody didn't come find us? So I wanna pray today, Lord, open up our hearts. Even in a culture where people are terrified to get close to one another, even in a culture that's most divided, what a great time for there to be a revival of the people of God going out to find. So I wanna pray for us, but before I do, I need to pause for one minute because you know how this amazing process begins. We have to be found first ourselves. We have to answer the call ourselves. Online, in this building, there's only one way to answer the call. Jesus knocks on the door of your heart. You don't join a church, okay? Joining a church does not uh, 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 create salvation. Salvation is only one way. Jesus knocks on the door of your heart and you open the door and you invite him in. You invite him in to become your personal Lord and Savior. Do you hear the call of God today? Do you hear the call? Online, do you hear the call of God? I bet that you, he's knocked on the door of your heart many, many times. Do you hear the call of God today? Because the voice of God, the word of God, the heart of God keeps reaching out and he keeps knocking. 
And there has to be a moment in time when you say, this was the day that I gave my life to Jesus. And today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. So if you're here right now and you hear him knocking, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens the door, I'll come in and be with him forever.